Good morning, saints. I'm usually up here ready to sing, but it's different today. It feels different. I'm always excited when Brother Viltz um, chooses me to bring the word. It is a responsibility that I take very seriously. I study all the time because I teach lessons often, but this just feels different, saints. It's um, This is the time that you come so you can receive, not just in teaching, but the lesson is in all times that we're dealing with God's word, we should want to take something from the word that we can add in our daily walk with Christ. Daily walk. So that is, for teaching, for me, it's, it's usually a much smaller uh, crowd, but I really appreciate uh, Brother Vilton. We'll keep him in prayer and the Browns in prayer, um, all those who are traveling. Um, prayer requests will come soon, but I just wanted to make that shout out to Brother Viltz. Uh, this morning's lesson is titled, The Power of Love. By the end of the lesson, I would hope that you will get that love is powerful in the full message. But I will go over a few verses. I only have four points to make. I don't plan to be long, but I plan to be very strong in how I bring forth your understanding of how powerful love is. And so we'll deal with just a few verses. Some of them you're familiar with. Some of them everyone is familiar with, but we're going to understand just how deeply God loves us, loves us, and loved us. We're going to see that God has always had an intention to show his love for us from the beginning. And so we'll use some verses. I hope that you all not only use the screen, but I like to say that we practice our dexterity. Go through your Bible. Don't just bring it, but we're going to go through it, go to the verses, look at it, as I always offer if there's something that I study, this is the study I get, which is very deep, but also study to show thyself approved. Always challenge what we teach as teachers. I think Brother Brown and Brother Viltz would also agree that you have to study for yourselves. You have to be able to stand in front of anybody to give a defense for the hope that is in you, that is in Jude. Make sure we understand that is our, it is only us who can stand to give. We can't say Brother Steph taught me this or Brother Viltz taught that. You have to be able to stand on what you learn. So love God enough to look into his word for yourself. So what I'm going to teach today, love is powerful. The power of love, that is going to be the message. The four, point, the four points that I'll bring is love is compelling, love is visible, Love is fearless, and love is powerful. Lesson text. It was easy to look at 1 Corinthians 13. I think everybody's familiar with it. Most people use it at weddings where they say love is patient, love is kind, love is long-suffering. All those, that's, that's easy. I think we can look at that at face value and see all those different aspects of love. It's just written. So I wanted to dig deeper and find some things and some verses that show love and its power in a different area. So the first verse I'll bring, and I'll get right into the lesson, John 3.16. I think everybody's familiar with it. I'll give you a second to turn there. I'll read the verse. Um, I read from the New King James. I think we use the King James Version up here, but uh, I think they're so closely written, we shouldn't be too thrown off. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In this verse, which is familiar to everyone, but if you look deeper in it, 
We see that love is so powerful that it is compelling. The love that God has, and we know that God is love, and we'll get to that later, that love is so powerful that it compelled God that even in the garden, he knew that he needed to do something to start just redeeming us to himself. His love for us started way back then before we were even a thought in anyone else's mind. We knew we know now that we needed God to do something for us. He had to save us from ourselves. It is not Adam's fault that we are condemned to death. Adam's fault is that we're born without the spirit. When Adam sinned, it, it, it immediately enabled that when we are born, we're not sinful at birth. Ecclesiastes tells us that we're born upright. We later seek out schemes. So it's not, it's not Adam's fault that we're condemned to die. If you read in Romans chapter 5, it tells you that if you go further along, we die because we sin. What we should understand is, I can't get in trouble for what you did. I'm not going to get in trouble for what you did. God is going to punish me solely for what I have done. That is why Adam was punished. He was kicked out of the garden, not because of us, but because of himself. So, moving forward, understanding that God knew that we had to be, con we had to be um, rectified back to where he wanted us to be from the beginning. And do we see that? That love compelled God to set a plan in motion before the foundation of the earth was laid to bring man back to himself. Does everybody see that? That is a very powerful thing. Love. Next verse. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Should be somewhat familiar um, if you haven't read it, but you've heard it. Um, I'll go ahead and read it if we have it up. Verse 34 says, A commandment I give to you that you love one another as I loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. This love is visible. I only know that we love each other from our behavior, from what I see. Now, we, we're not, we don't read the heart as accurately as God, but he's given us key understandings and key visible things that we can see to let me know that you're a loving person. Now, one example, if, you, if you've seen couples or families, if you've seen them in a public setting, if you've looked, have you ever had a thought like, man, they love each other? They, they behave in a way that makes you say they love each other. Why? You've seen actions, you've seen smiles, you've seen winks, hugs. Though love is visible. That's a very powerful thing that you can show me just how much you love anybody just by behaving a certain way. Love in itself is very visible. But there's a caution here. I made it a very uh, serious point to caution that we can have fake love too. Fake love, let me, let me give you an example. If um, two brothers, we, we see each other all the time, church settings. If I walk up, hey, brother such and such, I don't want to put nobody's name out. I'm going to use brother Rick. Me and brother Rick like each other. I'm going to just throw him out there. Hey, brother Rick, what's going on? Oh, nothing much. Soon as I walk away, brother, brother Rick's like, ah, I can't stand that dude. What? What you? Now, I don't know that he feels that way from what I see. Brother Rick loves me, but that fake love, God sees right through us, saints. 
Don't think that because my back is turned that you're not going to get some kind of reaction from God. Like, look how you treat my son. Don't do that to me, Brother Rick. That is how we should understand that we're always seeing love that we show is always visible, not just to each other, but it's visible to God even deeper than we understand. So those heart thoughts that we have have to be checked on a regular, on a regular basis. But again, what we work from is what we see. Treat people based on how they treat you. There's, we're so connected to some people that you can ill-treat somebody else, and because I'm so connected to you, I don't like them. Like, we, we do that too. But what we should see is we should treat and love people based off of the love they give us. We don't know the complexities of certain relationships and certain visible things that we see love not given or given in other relationships shouldn't affect the fact that you still show me love, so I should still show you love. But we should check those things too because all those things point to character. All right, so just a few points there. Moving forward, next verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And I'm going fast, saints. We're not, we're not going to be long, and I don't think y'all are too upset about that. Somebody can invite me to lunch. That would be great. I'm just kidding, saints. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, and I'll read it. It's, um, it's probably familiar if you haven't come across it, but if you hear it, I think some of us, uh, most of us are familiar. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, that's interesting. Now, we look at that at face value. It could make us think that we shouldn't be afraid of anything ever at any time, because it says perfect love. Now, we want to feel like we love perfectly and want to feel like we shouldn't be scared of anything. If you look deeper into it, the fear that it's talking about is about death, saints. We should not, at any point, if you're a saint, if you're in Christ and you know that your position is settled, you shouldn't be afraid to die. Now, you can be scared all you want about how you're going to die. Now, the world is scary. The juveniles in this world today, I don't know if y'all watching the news. I don't like going to stores like talking about. Sister Rashid always do the... Uh, what is the shopping where they, they bring it out to your car? I'm not going in the store. I don't know what y'all doing in there. It's scary. And I understand, like, they're making things more convenient because the world is changing around us as we see it. Shootings on a, for every 10 stories about somebody getting shot, there's one nice story that somebody loves somebody. That is the world we're in. We're not afraid to go to the next, the next side, the other side. That's not what we're afraid of. But the fear that we have that is normal, that is human, is that I don't want to get shot in the store. That's a, that's a fear that we can understand. But the Bible does make, it does tell you that don't be anxious for anything. Philippians 4 and 6 says be anxious for nothing. But with prayer and supplication, make your requests made known to God. So again, the fear that we have about death shouldn't be there. But the anxieties we have about scary situations we could be in, God has made preparation for that. How perfect is that love? So we should walk in that perfection of love. We're in Christ, so as we all sit here, Lord, if you come today, we all stand and clapping like, thank you. I don't have to worry about my next meal, anything else, nothing else matters. But 
Life sometimes beats us down, saints, and we understand anxieties and those fears do happen. We're, we're afraid of what happens with our family. Those things, they are very real. And so we should treat those as real, but again, hand them to God because he cares for us much more than we understand at times. Uh, I bring another verse. In this verse, I allotted myself a little more time to go into because I wanted to break it down. But I think I, I shouldn't take too long to do this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Remember, I referred to it earlier where it says love is patient, love is kind, depending on the translation you have. But at the end of it, it says something interesting that I decided to, to dig a little more into. And I'll read it. So we have it on the screen, and it says, And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. All right, so I, I do, there's another translation I use that I like because it's written so plainly, and it doesn't mess up the rest of what the context is, and it's called the Common English Bible. I know some people use the New International Version, but the Common English Bible says, now faith, hope, and love remain. These three things. And the greatest of these is love. Question. Now I don't expect anybody to answer. But have you ever thought about why the greatest of the three is love? Now just give it some thought. Because faith is, faith seems to be more critical to me than my first thought of, of thinking this through. Faith seems to be, that's, we need faith for Salvation. Why, why is that not important? Hope. That's stressed in the Bible all over the place. Why is that not the greatest? Let's, let's talk it through. So in the uh, couple verses, I think it's in verse 8, same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, where tongues, knowledge, and prophecies will fail, right? Those are gifts. Now, the things that we're talking about, love, faith, and hope, of these three, the greatest is love. These are three gifts that God gives us. The other three that we're not talking about, tongues, prophecies, and knowledge, will fail. They'll go away. We won't need those things when we're perfected in Christ. Now, if we look and see, we, so we'll look deeper into see why love is the greatest. Hebrews 1 and 1, this is my last verse, and then I'll bring this full point home. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Very familiar. We should know what that is. Last verse. It's on the screen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Now I reword that because sometimes it just doesn't make sense when you hear it. If you reword it, you could say faith is the components of materials hoped for and proof of things not seen. We know that God exists because we open our eyes every day, and there's just no other explanation for it. It's not seen as to why, but we know the Bible teaches that there's one who's made preparations for you to open your eyes. That is who we hope in. Why is love, back to the question at hand, love, the greatest gift of all, why is it the greatest beyond faith and hope? It's because God is love. Let's expound on that. We remember that God is love. God doesn't need faith. That's why it's not as important. God doesn't need hope. That's why it's not as important. Of the three, two of them God does not need. 
the other one, God is. That's why it's the greatest. Now, when you look at faith, we need faith. This is a gift we need, but we only get it because God is the author and the Y'all, y'all know y'all Bible. That's y'all gonna make, I'm going to walk off. Y'all don't need me. Yes, he's the author and the finisher, so he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. He wrote the book that we look into to learn from. Hope is what we need until our faith is done. So we need to continue in the hope that we have. Once we get faith, we have to keep it. God doesn't need hope because he's the one that we hope in. So why does he need the thing that he exists in? He doesn't. That is why love continues to be the greatest gift of all. We see that God in his all-knowing, all-powerful way of being, his existence, understanding from the beginning that he knew we couldn't do anything for ourselves, saints. He knew that no man he created after Adam could do anything to to reconcile ourselves to him but Christ but Christ was there with God and made the plan with God John 1 1 so that is the that is the lesson saints I don't know how short it is I told brother Vils it was less than 30 minutes don't count don't tell me how long it was I don't want I don't know it's like brother Steph you got up there for 10 minutes you are a shame but I hope that it was a strong 10 minutes in understanding we look at verses And they are deeper than we first give them just at face value. Again, God is love. So he doesn't need the faith or the hope that we need until we are non-existent. Love is powerful. It is a necessity in our life because it was love that God showed us before we realized we needed it. And through love, God reconciles himself to us. That is why love is powerful. So again, let's not forget that it is patient, it's kind, long-suffering, and those types of other elements, but it's also compelling. It is the reason why you put food on the table. It is the reason why you ain't kick your child out the house yet. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody know. At least one person. That is what love is. It compels you to keep it. It's visible. You see things that make you understand that love is existent in this, what you're seeing, in this family, in, in the church. I know that we love saints. I, I love how the report is given that when we lose someone in the body, that the ladies of the church, the love that is shown to other families, people who aren't, sometimes it's people who aren't a part of the body, Family members are attached to that the saints go serve and send food, cards. That's love, saints. That is, that is the level that we show love. And I, I'm, I'm a, I appreciate that I'm a part of the ones who do. I don't cook. Y'all don't want me to send anything to y'all house as far as food if somebody gone. Because y'all going to be like, bro, Steph, he don't. That is... I'm glad that we have and we're connected to ones who are good, who's good at those things and who don't mind sharing those things. That love, showing love on that level. Now, um, love that we know has to have obedience. And so as I close, coming to the close, I would like to close with the gospel message. The gospel message is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. But you read down to verse 8 because it gives a little more information. 
to sum up what the gospel is, it is that God loved us so much and he wanted to reconcile us to himself. That he sent Christ in the form of himself to die a perfect man for our sins. He made him who knew no sins to be sin for us. He died, was buried. Three days later, he rose again. This is the gospel message. But the gospel can't be taught without one understanding that you have to obey the death, burial, and resurrection. What does that mean? Well, if you hear the gospel, you have to believe that. You cannot come to the gospel without believing that God is, was, and will be. He sent Christ. Christ is the son. Christ was perfect. He died sinless, but only with the stains of us on him. He was buried and resurrected. That is the gospel message. You have to believe that. When you believe that, you have to repent. What is repentance? It is not just, I'm not going to do this again in my mind. I'm going to stop doing these things. Repentance is your thoughts turned into actions. You are choosing to see sin the way God sees it. Not, you don't think certain things are a sin, but when you read in the Bible and the Bible says that's not good for you, it's sin, your repentance is, I'm going to stay away from it. So I like to go in depth because we understand saints, but there's someone who doesn't understand. Repentance is changing your mind about how you see sin to see it the way God does. Now you have to confess. Confess what? I heard worldly people say you have to confess your sins. No, you only confess your sins after you're a part of the body to those, either each other or directly to God. What do you confess in the gospel? That Christ is the Son of God. Again, saints, I'm breaking it down so strategically to us, but it should be only affirming what we already know. There may be one person that's watching us that may not understand what we believe, why we believe it, and why we're saying what we say, what we're saying. We have to confess that Christ is the Son of God. And what happens then? Baptism. You have to be baptized. You can be baptized today. Our gospel call, God's gospel call, and what we teach goes out today. And if there's one by way of social media or in the building today who would like to be baptized, we will stay here and we do that today. There is no classes you have to take. There is no coming back later. Uh, we'll teach you about the history of the church. It happens today. You are saved. The Holy Spirit is added today. 1 Peter 3 and 21 says it is the antitype that saves you. Baptism saves you. It's written in the Bible, but people say, you don't need it. Mark 16, 16 says he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But people was like, you got to believe. You ain't got to do the other part. What part of this and this do you not understand is needed? If I tell you I need your car and keys, which one of those can I do without and still? Somebody tell me because I could be confused. Maybe I could use your car without your keys. Hot wiring, Brother Rick. Don't even tell nobody. Maybe because y'all know what I'm talking about. Baptism. And then once we're baptized, the Bible says we have to walk it out until death. Until death. That is it. But what comes with that is you get family in the form of a bunch of folks that you might not agree with all the time, but that will walk through the fire with you. And I love you, saints, and I appreciate that y'all are always available. I know I can call any brother that, that I've connected with. 
this is the, the family that I was always looking for, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. The gospel call goes out. You cannot hear without a preacher, Romans chapter 10. This is the call. Um, Brother T, I don't know if you have a mic, but we are going to stand and sing the invitational hymn. I hope that if the call came out and there's anyone here today who wants to give their life to Christ and be a part of the body, that can happen today as together we stand and we'll sing the invitational hymn, Whoever, Why Don't You Come, as we all sing. <laughs>